Hey everybody, this is Brad Bruce and I'm here with Jace Marsiglia and you're listening to the 5195 podcast. This is episode four. Yep. Last few were kind of the voyage home. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The final chapter. Yeah. 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 It was crazy. Excuse my voice, by the way. I don't know if you can tell I'm a little hoarse today. Yeah. Allergy season kicking up. Yeah. Here in wonderful SoCal. Like I woke up and my voice was actually gone. When I woke up this morning, it was like gone. And I was really? so stressed out because I was like, oh my God, we got to record tonight. <laughs> How the fuck am I going to do this? You sound all right. I don't even think you sound that hoarse. <sighs> I hope not. But I'm also like really trying to talk through it. Really? Okay. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it. I don't think it sounds okay. like Okay. Good. Good. So, but anyways, I mean, yeah, we were, I think we were really kind of heavy and um, I know I had quickly mentioned that uh, Felissa had brought garlic and gunpowder to me. Yes. And by that point, we had already all shot maternal instincts. Yeah. That was just kind of floating in the ether. I don't think it had found a home. And I had flown back home. And garlic and gunpowder was what, the following year or two years? Because I was out here in 16 to shoot maternal. It ha- It had to be... Yeah. So you were kind of able to cobble together your team and and, and more. Because well, this you know was what? a substantially bigger movie than what we did. Yeah. We shot ours in a nutshell. We shot ours literally within 48 hours. Like a sleepless 48 hours. We just banged it out. Right. Um, so I went home. To me, that was the experience of a lifetime. I've never been on a set. Got to see everyone work. I got to see Felissa just fucking bring it. It was awesome. Got to watch effects. So that was my experience. And I went home on kind of a high and was kind of like, when can we hang next? And uh, that's when garlic came your way. <laughs> yeah. Um, L- lucky me. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you guys have noticed over the last three shows, there's been an almost eerie parallel between Brad and I's paths. We were both, I would I would say, were we both on kind of a high after maternal? Yo, definitely. Because I know it's a little more old hat for you. You had done a few movies. This was my first. This was the first time anything, well, I shouldn't say the first time anything I'd written had been made. I had done a movie for, I think his name's Robert Massetti. Okay. He had the Florida convention. I, f- I forget. But he had a film festival and he had me do, this is long before maternal or anything, before we started talking. He had seen some talent in my columns in this, uh, I believe, the Scream Sirens magazine. And he goes, we're going to do Lifetime Achievement Awards for Clive Barker and Robert England." And he goes, I would love for you to write the speech to get them up there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was like, so you want me to do kind of a quick, you know, all-encompassing career thing yeah i looked at it almost like the oscar Mm -hmm. type of thing Mm -hmm. for horror so i wrote those two things for him and he saw enough talent that he had uh he asked me to write something called creepy crawly and it was about a weird parasitic creature that was fucking up cattle on someone's uh farm and uh that was basically the story he gave me and i went from there and we did a short it was shot he shot it two different ways i think he did a spanish version and that was cool that was neat to see uh but maternal instincts was like this one's serious this right. one's this one's cool this isn't like a five minute short this thing's what was it about 20 yeah 20 easily, minutes yeah. you know more anthology ish um so that was even though i had had stuff made which was cool uh this was the first time i got to work you know, really work as if this is like boots on the ground filmmaking. And uh-huh. it was kind of guerrilla. You know, we were just kind of running, gunning. Yeah. And uh, so I went home kind of like, great. I achieved my goal. Now we can only go upward from here. 
Brad, you call me whenever you want, man. We'll collab. We'll do whatever. So Garlic came your way and I went home and sort of put pen to paper again so that I'd have something bigger and cooler for us to do next, you know? Yeah. Because I think that was what we agreed on. We're like, we can do a short. Let's do a movie, a movie movie. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm down. Let's do this, man. So I went home and kind of rode that high while I was hammering out some new material and without naming names or getting into anything too substantial. One of the things that we talked about, especially near the end of the last episode, was frustrations. (laughs) Okay. It's no mystery to us at this point how things can just turn south. (laughs) How the rug can be pulled out from under you at any old time. Yeah. And it can. I mean, even if you've achieved what you wanted to achieve, there's going to be high highs and low lows. Sometimes the low low is nothing at all. Yeah. Well, I had hooked up with a few other producers, a few other directors, and a couple of things got off the ground, but I was kind of left in the dust, in my opinion, which was probably more like the usual writer thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Thanks for this. Uh, You know, cool. See you later. And I didn't make any money off of anything. I was never paid for anything. I kind of came to you for advice. I'm like, dude, this kind of sucks. I was just like, I don't really, I feel like I'm not going anywhere. And everybody, everybody's kind of given me this. You should just just do it for the exposure, the exposure. Get, it'll get you out there. And I'm like, cool. By this point, I'd been exposed, quote unquote, probably close to 10 years. I was like, I, I'm serious about this. I want to, this to be a job, a actual monetary job. You and your wife, Kimmy, you both said, if you're good at something and you clearly are, you need to be paid for it. And this is kind of the lesson. If someone is asking you to do shit for free for the exposure, you got to know when to just say, no, I'm better than that. Uh-huh. I, you know, my time is money and uh i am good at what i do and just have the confidence in your work to say uh, if you're gonna pay me cool yeah now i you know just be a hired gun if you want me to write a script Mm -hmm. pay me for it that attitude and i didn't go into it like a dick i wasn't like yeah fuck you pay me you know it wasn't like that i did it very diplomatically i did it like a you know employer employee transaction and I said, what, you know, what's, what's the gig pay? And they were like, nothing, you know, it's the exposure. And that's, that was the, that was the theme, the common theme. And I finally said, well, you know, thank you, but, uh, I'm kind of holding out for, for something else, if that's cool. And they were like, really? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you know, cause I, I was like, I've, I've written some cool stuff and I've sent it out to here, there and everywhere. And you know, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, but I never really see anything out of it. And you know, IMDB credits are only so good. Do you have an IMDB? I do. Yeah. And I've got I've, pretty much everything I've done has been on there, but it was just one of those deals where I'm like, exposure is great, but you know, you can only walk past the same fish tank and see the same fish every day. Yeah. It's just not doing anything. Yeah. So... I took your advice and I was kind of like, you know, I tried to show some backbone. I've, I figured I'd worked my way into the business enough that I could confidently plant my feet mm-hmm. and say, listen, I'm good at what I do. Everyone who comes to me obviously sees something there that's worth their while. Why is everyone else making money and I'm just sitting here? And it just, it wasn't, it's not greed. It's not vanity. It's just, if I'm part of this... What is, what is there to show for it at this point? And again, the only show for it was like an IMDb credit, which is kind of cool at first. You know, hey, I'm on IMDb, you know. But after a while, you're like, I'm 
not even working for peanuts. I'm not working for penis. shit. Penis. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not working for that smooth, smooth penis. So I, I felt justified in telling people, yeah, um, you know, for, for a fee, you know. Just but there's nothing wrong with that. No. And that's the game. You also, because no we, offense to these people, mm-hmm. odds are they're not working for free. No, they're not. Everyone got something out of it. Yeah. And there's a few people who got awards mm-hmm. based on my shit, you know. Yeah. And I, 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 certain people, I like, again, I'm not going to name names or anything and I'm friends. I'm still friends with these people, but I kind of had to let them know. I'm like, okay, we've, we've had our fun. Let's get serious. And the calls stop. Of course. Once the line is drawn in the sand, uh huh. then reality will set in. Yes. And that's when it kind of hit me that this wasn't about friendship. This isn't, uh, What's, what's the old saying? It's showbiz, not show friends. You know, that whole thing. It was very evident at that point when things dried up that I was only as good as the free shit I was willing to give them. And that was that was a hard thing to grapple with. Because, not that I'm naive, I know I'm new to this, but at the same time, when you have a rapport with people and you've talked to them for years... You start thinking they've got your back. And out of five or six different people I've been in contact with and worked with, maybe you and one other person have been like, I got your back. And, you know, I, you know, we'll pay you for whatever. It's a job. Mm -hmm. They treated it like a job Mm -hmm. as opposed to like, can you, you know, can you build the set at our high school musical? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Basically is what it boiled down to. So... That high that I was on after maternal instincts really dissipated. And once the phone stopped ringing and the text stopped coming in, and uh, it was kind of like, wow, I really did just kind of get used. And it bummed me out. And I kind of stopped even talking to the people who did kind of pay me for my time and did take a chance on me because I was kind of like, well, that's probably a means to an end too. Who knows when the other shoe's going to drop. And... uh After a while, I pushed away from the table and I said, this isn't worth it because I'm just like, I'm not going to do this for free. No one seems to want to pay me. And whatever goodwill there was in hearing people that I respected telling me you've got something, kid, didn't really feel like a win anymore. And I got very disenchanted with the whole thing. So while I was back in Michigan, just sort of resigning myself to the idea that I had my five seconds, you know, or five minutes, whatever the term is. And that's probably the highest peak I'm going to hit, you know, which isn't a bad peak. I worked with Felissa Rose from Sleepaway Camp, something I'd watched as a kid. You know, this was this was no slouch project. This was someone I knew and was a fan of willing to take a chance on me. Yeah. And and you as well, just somebody who didn't know me from anybody. Right. Just happened to connect with the material. To me, it was a big deal, but it was like, that's the Everest. You're done. Right. You're done, pal. I mean, I can see that. I definitely can. I don't know if you remember me telling you or not when I was like really encouraging you to stand up for yourself. Yeah. I don't know if you remember me saying like, now just be prepared for what comes next oh yeah you were basically like you're you're about to find out who your friends are and i was i was like okay and i braced myself for it and it didn't really hurt when the true colors were shown it was kind of like wow yeah brad was right that sucks so 
you just kind of swipe that number off your phone and go about your day. So I, I wasn't hurt by it. I wasn't really depressed. I didn't go into a real big depression about it. But the scary thing is, and if you're listening and you felt this way, take this to heart. I always say go with your gut. You'll, your gut will tell you when something feels right. It's the same thing as if you're writing and you get on that roll where you're just like, this is flowing out of me. This, right, this yeah. feels good. This is I'm on the right path. It's a similar feeling. When I decided this wasn't for me anymore, it felt right. And that was dreadful uh -huh. because it didn't hurt me anymore to go, I'm not a writer. And there was a, time, a long period where I'm not a writer filled me with panic or pain because it was like, I'm giving up on something I love and it hurts. It hurts a lot. Instead, this time it was like, I give up and I'm kind of okay with, it. and that kind of scared me a little bit, but it was like, again, it felt, I felt it in my gut and was like, I'm going to go with my gut. This feels right. And I think that's it. And a lot of this was happening while I was here doing the garlic thing. Yeah. You were kind of having these in like these self battles. I was. And, uh, you know, cause you had your project. I had a few of mine, um, you know, it's not that we weren't still working. In fact, that's probably the longest stretch we went where we weren't really talking because we both had our heads in different areas. But after so many projects that were successful for other people but me, I was like... That you were attached to. That I was attached to. Where I was just like, cool, here's, here's what I gave you. And the accolades rolled in for everyone else and i was just kind of like wow not even a nod you know i didn't expect any awards or anything but it was like you know it's a tough pill it is it's kind of like okay well i'll just i'll just wait here at the train station while you guys take off bye yeah. you know <laughs> no problem I, I bought you guys your tickets yeah yeah <laughs> i had no idea i didn't really no you didn't because no. even if we were because like while like garlic came to town mm-hmm we were checking in. You were like, hey, how's it going? You know, yeah. I would give you updates and things like that. You it know, was, it but was, you were so not vocal about what you were doing, what no. you're going through. Well, there was, there was, there's a part of me that was like, I'm glad that we're just checking in on each other as friends, you know, because you and I are close. We're like brothers. Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be about work. Mm -hmm. And I certainly didn't want to be the guy from Michigan who's like, you know, our friendship's predicated on what we're doing next. It was never like that. I had those. Sure. And I'm sure we're still going to have some. Of course. You know, it's going to happen over and over. But I was happy just checking in with you and being like, oh, man, how's things going out there? You, oh, you're working with Jimmy Duvall. Oh, yeah. Felissa's back in the mix. It was just cool to check in in a familial kind of way. But I wasn't letting you know what I was going through no. because I didn't want to be the guy who was just like, oh, God, this fucking, this writer. You know, the, the usual... What's the word I'm looking for? Like the Woody Allen, there's the, there's a term for his type of comedy. I Stupid? Wanted, no. <laughs> I wanted to say eccentric, but that's not the word I'm looking for. There's a ter it's like him and Jerry Seinfeld, they have that type of comedy. It's uh but it, it was kind of how I felt where it was like I'm going to sound like a whiner. Okay. So I'm not going to whine to him even though for you it would really just be talking shop. Yeah. To me, it didn't feel like shop. It felt like, Brad, help me out here. Mm -hmm. Pull me out of this funk. Yeah. You know, I wasn't looking for that. I wasn't brought up that way. I wasn't brought up to bitch. Right. So I just kind of checked in with you. I was happy with that you were getting stuff. 
Um, I was happy that you were hanging out and working with people that I admire. You know, I'm like, oh, man, it's fucking awesome. I'm so glad, you know. And um, but I was at home just kind of like I'm a banker. You know, what's crazy about that is that like there were a few occasions during pre-production on garlic mm -hmm. that I was like, I wonder if you should come out for this. Oh, for garlic? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, um, because again, you know, it will, you know, Felissa told me about it mm -hmm. and then she, you know, she was like, oh, we're working with a company. They did, um, they did death house. Yeah. Which I hadn't seen at the time. No. But I had, well, I was very familiar with the, the original script that Gunner wrote. I hadn't, I'd heard about it. I, it, not even through you. This was something that was all over the horror sites. Prior to it being made or, or prior to, yeah, just Gunner's script. It was going to be the expendables of horror films. Mm -hmm. And I was like, cool. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And that's what his script was. Right. I was like very excited yeah. for this movie. And then when I found out that it was actually being made, obviously, sadly, after Gunner passed, uh -huh. I was like, well, hopefully it's in the hands of people that are going to do it justice. Right. And really give that like tip of the hat to Gunner a good send off for everything he's contributed to this genre. Right. I didn't even think that far ahead when he died. I thought it was dead in the water. Oh, I really? really? I okay. really did. I didn't think... So you didn't know that it had been picked up and was going no, out of I did. I had no idea that it was going to change hands or anyone was going to be involved anymore. I yeah. thought once Gunner died, it died yeah. with him. Okay. So I kind of stopped paying attention to the scuttlebutt yeah. on uh, okay. Death House. But you, I remember you telling me yeah. the people behind this Death House movie. I'm like, oh, Death House. You yeah. know, I'm thinking, oh, the dead project. Yeah. You know, I'm, yeah. So I was like, cool, they moved on and they're doing Garlic. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So that was all that was all I knew about it at the time and just kind of took it as well, we've moved on and Brad's part of this move on. You know what I mean? So I was happy. I yeah. was happy for you, man. I was like, cool. Yeah. When, you know, again, like I said, she brought it to me, she brought garlic to me and was like, We'd like to shoot it at your studio. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm like, Okay, well, you know, we'll talk to the guys and you know, the other producers and owners and we'll see. That time, I sort of stepped away mm -hmm. and was working on a couple of projects in LA. Yeah, so I wasn't even here. Is there a full moon? <laughs> stick to the road. I know. <laughs> stay, stay to the road. Don't walk through the moors. It <laughs> <sighs> <That> was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Baskervilles have been taken. Yeah. So, but no, like what I was saying was like I I wasn't even at my studio. Okay. Because you were in town. Um, I, yeah, I was up in LA. I was I was working on some stuff, and and my partners were handling the studio. Mm -hmm. And so it was like real early in pre-production on garlic. So I was like tagged in these emails just so I could be kept in the loop. Sure. Like from their producers, the director, you know. So I would like read them just to kind of stay fresh with it. Sure. And then like you know sometimes someone would reach out to me privately, ask a couple questions, I would give answers. But then it really started like coming together we were pretty much ready now a lot of them came up and we started like location scouting and we had a checklist of everything we needed and like i was meeting everyone you know yeah. and i'm just gonna be honest man this business is not all fun and excitement no it's kind of let's say you work at a retail store an office building you know you're you're you know you're a cubicle guy whatever yeah. You know how your job might be boring, but you're good at it. And then there's people at your job that you just want to fucking strangle. Mm -hmm. um, 
the movie business isn't much different. Uh, in fact, it's probably more deceptive. Um, fake. Mm-hmm. Fake is probably the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. But it's a job like any other where on the outside you get the uh, the sizzle reel. Yeah. Anyone who's not here working on movies is like, that has got to be the coolest fucking thing. It's got to be a party all the time. No, it's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of sleepless nights. And to top it off, Bob and accounting that you just want to fucking stab in the face. Well, Bob exists here too. Mm-hmm. He's got a different purpose, but you're going to be annoyed. You're going to be tested. There's going to be deadlines that people are breathing down your neck about. So, yeah, it's cool. You're If, if it's something you really want to do, um, a lot of that stuff won't bother you as much. But if you're not prepared, you're going to realize real quick that movie making is still just a job. It's yeah. it's work and all yeah. the politics that go with it. You know, just as long as you bear that in mind, if you're a fledgling coming up, you know, and you're wanting to get into this, hopefully you don't think that it's just this is the other side of the rainbow. <laughs> it's not. It's it's Skid Row. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very much once the veil has been pulled away. Yeah, there is a lot of glamour. Yeah, there's a lot of laughs. And yeah, I've made some lifelong friends. Uh You know, I'm sitting across from them right now. Uh But there's always going to be days where you're ready to slam that fucking phone down because you're so pissed off. Oh, yeah. There's going to be days where you have been so excited that something was going to take off and then it just... Uh It goes down like a Zeppelin. Yeah. And it's just... You got to be prepared for that. I think so many people try to get into this industry and think it's my ticket. This is my lottery ticket. And it's so not. I mean, you have just as much chance of winning the lottery as you do striking out here. If that's all you think this is. Mm -hmm. People who really are passionate about it know the stakes. They know the work and they plug through and they succeed. So, yeah, this episode is shaping up to be that what the things we're going to tell you is reality. Yeah. And it's kind of a hard one. So It really is. You know, just take what we say with a, you know, take it to heart. We're not going to lie to you. We're not going to sugarcoat. But this was kind of the beginning of another end. Uh-huh. You know, even though things never really launched, nothing ever really made it into the sky. Yeah. Uh, things were about to come down pretty hard. For know, both of for, us. For both of us. And it's like, you know, when when, you know, people started showing up after a couple weekends of location scouting mm-hmm. and i started meeting more people i was like almost instantly like i don't like you yeah i don't like you like you know it literally was wow you really are a terrible person yeah you know but i also wasn't i wasn't a stranger to that no but now it was in my backyard literally yeah you know so i'm like okay i i just got to like kind of refocus Mm-hmm. and kind of just like make sure all these people's needs are met mm-hmm. for this project and get it done and move on, mm-hmm. you know? And I had issues with, and here's the thing. I, I rarely have issues with crew. Okay. It's always above the line people. Sure. And, you know. To be fair, it's their job to breathe down your neck. It is, but case in point, there's about 60 to 100 people bringing in gear. We have, you know, lighting department. We have sound. We have camera. Mm-hmm. You know, they're setting up crafty. 
it's funny because like obviously like I don't look the part as like a filmmaker or director or whatever it is, you know, because I'm walking around the studio in like sneakers and camo shorts and a hoodie, yeah, yeah. and a backwards hat, mm-hmm. and I'm walking in there and there's this guy, this like suit guy, mm-hmm. and he stops me with a hand on my shoulder and not aggressive but a pullback. And he's like, hey, there's no toilet paper in there, okay? And I'm like, why don't you put some in? And I walked away. Yeah. Now, (laughs) I didn't find out who he was, nor did he I, Uh until we were introduced by one of the producers. And the producer grabbed me and was like, oh, I want to introduce you to our investor. (laughs) Yeah. I come walking up, and when he said that, the investor looked at me like, now what? Yeah. And then the producer looked at him and goes, oh, and this is the owner of the studio. Ooh. Now what? Yeah. And we did have a moment after that of like, hey, sorry about that. Right. And I was like, man, I really hope this isn't a foretelling of what's to come. Mm-hmm. But it was. Wow. And here's the thing. Felissa was producing, but she was acting in it, and she had to don a bunch of prosthetics. So she had a character to develop. Yeah. So she's like juggling jobs. Sure. She's busting her ass. Yeah. There was shit going on that she didn't know about. There were people on set that were just treating other crew like complete garbage. Wow. Yeah. And they were pulling some like just dirty moves. Like, I mean, there were people that were working in in town here in Southern California from up north. Mm -hmm. So they're driving six plus hours to come down here to work on their movie for maybe 150, 200 bucks a day. Mm -hmm. And they're like cutting their pay in half. Because they're like, well, you left early last week or bullshit like that. And I like told him, I was like, they absolutely did not. And I went into the producer's uh, trailer and was just like, hey, you have someone out there who's busting their ass for your project. Mm -hmm. And you have a guy like this who's a complete asshole treating people like shit. The way me and my guys work, Mm -hmm. we care about people first. Yeah. Before the movie. And anytime it's one of my sets, I make sure that everyone on that set is laughing and having a good time. If they're not, it is palpable as fuck. Yes. It's like dominoes. And of course, everyone who's out there who are, you know, there are people in the industry that are producers, they'll understand this term of putting out fires. Sure. And that's exactly what was going on. And like, there was a bunch of arsonists running around this motherfucking set. Sure. Just- okay. You know, and so like (laughs) villagers running around with torches, you know, and it's like, I think we did this in like 2000, I want to say it was like 2016, 17 when it, you know, was when it was released, you know, and I, I was excited because of the people that were attached that I was going to get to work with. Yeah. You know, there was like, like you had mentioned, there's James Duvall's in it. Yep. Martin Cove. Yeah. Dean McDermott. Michael Madsen, Vivica Fox. Oh, wow. Laney Kazan, Judy Tenuta. These are names, man. Huge. You know, like, I mean, it was funny because we shot at my home, too. Yeah. We're up in my loft that they turned into, like, hair and makeup. Sure. The majority of these people are admiring my collection because I'm nerd first, then filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. So they're just like, oh, shit, I'm in this, you know? (laughs) You're basically upstairs going through the yearbook. Yeah. I made some really cool friends off of that movie, Mm -hmm. you know, during the like 20, 30 days, whatever it was. But this is something that I said could probably strike a little nerve with certain people. Yeah. Okay. 
I should have definitely been some sort of a producer on this film. Not to wave a flag of what I did, mm -hmm. but it was like, I got a list of what they needed, mm -hmm. and I pretty much damn near checked every box for them. Mm -hmm. They needed a restaurant. I got a restaurant. Yeah. A friend of mine's winery. They shot there. Mm -hmm. My friend's record store. My home mm -hmm. that they used. We gave... Because we care, not because we wanted our hands out, like, fucking pay us. It was like, look who we are. Mm -hmm. We can make a movie. You can make a movie. How about we just all make movies? Right. And make some good movies. Right. It um, should be mutually beneficial. Yeah. Um, it should be. It should be. No, I'm, I'm going to say this. When I read the script for the first time before anything was ever set in stone, mm -hmm. I didn't like it. Yeah. In my opinion... It was all over the place. Yeah. Just wasn't structured well. Not that I'm a great writer, but I'm a fan of film. Yeah. So I appreciate movies because I've seen thousands of them. Mm -hmm. I'm reading this as a fan. Well, when you're seasoned enough, even as just a f casual film goer, you've seen enough movies that you subconsciously know structure. You subconsciously know how a plot unfolds. And... You don't have to be in the industry to know when random ideas are thrown at the wall to see what sticks. I call them kitchen sink movies. Yeah, yeah. Because there's some movies where I'm just like, this is fucking weird. We're all over the place. I don't mm -hmm. even get... And it's just one of those deals. We talked about one uh, yesterday. You and I, when we got out and we were just bullshitting, we, I brought up Nothing But Trouble. It was Dan Aykroyd's directorial movie, 1991, I believe. And... I won't get into the specifics about that movie, but the big thing I took away from hearing interviews with Dan was he was given unlimited funds just about and hugely talented people. Um, I want to say Dean Cundy was even involved in that movie. Okay. But basically everybody came to Dan with an idea and Dan was like, sure. And when you say sure to everybody, you get a mess. Because now everyone's idea is in your movie and it loses coherence. And that, you don't have to be a film critic. You don't even have to be a cinephile to watch a movie and kind of go, where's this going? I don't get this movie. You yeah. Know? And some people will write it off like your artsy kind of guys who are just like, you just don't get it. No, sometimes shit is just shit. I'm sorry. But when you have a name and people throw wads of cash at you, you can kind of just do whatever you want. Yeah. It may not do great. Nothing But Trouble is an infamous flop for Warner Brothers. Um, Freddie got fingered <laughs> by Tom Green. Everyone was just like, Tom Green's big. Just let him do what he wants. Look at that movie. And again, I, I hate being the guy to shit on other people's movies. I'm sure it was a blast to make. But it's just one of those deals where you can watch a movie and kind of go, what was going on? Mm -hmm. What was going on behind the scenes? Who said that was okay? Mm -hmm. Who said this was okay? How does this scene connect to that one? Yeah. You know, you just, you can see a mess. And by all accounts, I've not seen Garlic and Gunpowder. I just haven't gotten around to watching it, you know? And, and, and that's the thing. I would watch it because you were involved. I'm a supporter. Well, I will say this. The movie's not awful. Yeah. There are a lot of saving grace in the movie. Sure. Um, uh, Steve Chase. Mm -hmm. who was one of the producers, but it was also one of the stars. Mm -hmm. Him and James's character, mm -hmm. their dynamic was good. Yeah. Martin Cove and Dean McDermott, in my opinion, stole the fucking show. Okay. I already said, as soon as I started watching those two, I'm like, this is the movie right here. 
Mm-hmm. These two are the movie. Not to disparage, you know, Steve and Jimmy's characters, but it's like they should have been the the B plot. Okay. At who these guys were hunting, even though they were, it was still those other two were the leads. Fair enough. And it wasn't bad, but I mean, it just it would have worked better. Sure. The other way, you know, in my opinion. Um, but there was a lot of fun, and I met a lot of cool people. Yeah. We got through it, and we made the movie. Which, you know, I know it's a cliche, but the saying is true. No one sets out to make a bad movie. Fuck no. 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 There's too many high cost risks. Yeah. In fucking around, um, some people can afford to fuck around. Yeah. Most people can't. Right. And so when you're on set, whether the movie's good or not, you're working mm-hmm. and you're trying to make this work, <laughs> one way or the other. Yeah. And. It's just something to remember, even if you are watching a movie. That's why I don't... I, I have a hard time shitting on a movie. It's There's no reason why you can't say, I, this didn't do it for me or that didn't do it right. for me. But if you've been on a set, you know that there was a camaraderie. Um, there was drama. There was hugs. There were laughs. A lot goes into making and the, a flick. And that, those were there. Right. And that you come away from the experience with those memories that no one else is going to have. Yeah. The viewers are not going to have that. They have the finished product. Yep. It either tastes like chicken or it don't. We get to look behind the scenes a little bit and kind of go, well, I hope they had fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Again, like you were saying, you know, the movie's kind of scattershot, it sounds like. I can only, you know, I can only assume. But again, you were involved. Felissa was involved. Uh, Jimmy who I'm a fan of. I've never met, but I'm a fan of the guy. Um, uh, Oh, and Marty Cove. I love Marty Cove. There's enough reason for me to hunt this one down. I want to see it, if only to support my friends. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'll I'll see it eventually. It's just, you know. You definitely should see it. Because like I said, there, there are some really fun moments. I just feel like I'll watch it with a certain extra amount of info. Yeah. It's gonna maybe color or not color my opinion. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I had forged some really good friends. Like the last day of shooting, I was hanging out with Jimmy, and this was literally like the last day. Yeah. Like, we're we're wrapped. And I just told him, I was like, man, you know, this last month was a fucking blast hanging out with you. He was literally like, you know, so like, what's next? What are you doing? Like, what's going on? And I was like, well, I have a script I want to do. Without even hearing a premise. Mm-hmm. He was like, well, I'm in. That's a testament to your set. Yeah. You know. And I was just like, wait, for real? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, okay. Literally since 2016, we've just been super cool. Yeah. They packed up. They rolled out. Yeah. We were, you know, trying to do a couple more projects. And I noticed the infrastructure of my team at our studio started to get shaky. Really? And I started to notice certain things coming to light. Mm-hmm. Instead of addressing them, I just stuck my head in the sand because I'm like, I don't want to do this again. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to forge ahead. Yeah. And so we had tried to do a couple other you know, films, didn't get off the ground. I was proposing, you know, let's do a Halloween short. Like we had always tried to do almost every year, like Halloween shorts and stick them out on YouTube mm-hmm. just, just for fun. Something quick, you know, one day of shooting, one day of editing and then done. And I wrote one and they were all like, this is rough, dude. You mean? This is like a rough story. Like like it's heavy. We shouldn't touch it. Gotcha. You know, essentially I made a lighthearted poke 
at <laughs> Sharon Tate and Charles Manson. Oh, I gotcha. And I wrote like, you know, this story about them. <laughs> it was fucking it was it was bad. It was rough. Yeah. You know? And so it was like everything just kept getting knocked down and knocked down. You sure. know? And I was like, okay, you know, regroup. Mm-hmm. Pulled everyone in. I was just like James Duvall said that he would do a feature mm-hmm. with us. Mm-hmm. But everyone was just kind of like re energized. Sure. Like, oh really? Like, whoa. Yeah. After announcing that James would do the movie, I was asked, do you have a script? Mm -hmm. I said, yeah. And now this is a script for our first feature as Mm -hmm. a team. As a Red 11 team. Yeah. Now, mind you, I mean, I've had written by this time 40 feature films. Sure. Short film scripts. Mm -hmm. I was banging out short film scripts like crazy. Like I couldn't, because I was just like trying to hone Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, um, and another thing that I've always done was every short film that I've ever written, I wrote the script as a, a glimpse into a world. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is it all has room to grow into a feature. Yeah. Like I've always written. So if something really hit, I'd be able to turn it into a feature. And so this movie that I wrote was like completely different because I'd always done like horror stuff. Yeah. This was something completely different. This was the close to a Hitchcock film. Mm-hmm. Huge Hitchcock fan. Yeah. And so I wrote this and I didn't tell anyone what I was writing. Yeah, you were. I remember you were pretty dodgy, yeah. cagey with yeah. the details. You know, so, I was, just as a writer, I was like, what are you doing, dude? You I want to read it. Yeah. Was, so, you know, But I remember you kept it pretty close to your chest. Yeah. No, exactly. I did. So, I mean, you know, now I feel like we're kind of set. Um, as far as like going into production, finally, after starting this group in like 2011, mm-hmm. and now we're at like 2017, yeah, and we're ready to make a feature. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably a good place for us to pull the plug on this one. Sure. Next time, maybe I'll sound better. I doubt it, but <laughs> um, this was an interesting show. There was a lot of ups and downs. Just like the situations yeah you know it's and it's one of those deals where neither of us want to hurt anyone's feelings neither of us want to draw any ire we want to be honest with you guys too you know this is this is the reality of it and sometimes it's not awesome you know yeah but you know if it helps harden you a little bit and prepares you yeah then all the better (laughs) all right well i guess that's it then i really i want you to be firm (laughs) okay all right cool well i guess it i guess it was okay talking to you this time yeah i suppose (laughs) all right man well i guess i'll see you soon yeah i'll be back until next time see you guys